As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Here's our reviewer of the week, and it is a wise mama five. She says, this podcast is awesome. I have six boys, two adopted and four biological. I have listened to this podcast throughout my last two pregnancies. I wish I found it sooner. I have had four very different births. One I didn't prepare for, one I did, and then the last two I started preparing the moment I found out I was pregnant. I listened to this podcast almost daily and even re-listened to episodes in order to soak up all of the knowledge possible. I did the exercises and ate a very careful diet. However, probably the most important takeaway from this podcast was that even though I prepared, things may not go the way I planned. Boy, with my last two, that sure did not go the way I was planning and preparing. Having educated myself and knowing the options when things got crazy made a huge difference. I'm so thankful that God allowed me to discover this podcast as it was invaluable and so thankful for God's hand of protection on me and my babies. God bless. Thank you so much for that review. Again, if you guys have not left a review, please go leave one now. Um, All that information is in the show notes, but you can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If it's on Apple Podcasts, you just find Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy. Scroll to the bottom, click Write a Review, tap the stars, tell me all the wonderful things, and I get to read it here on the podcast. Uh, Also, it just brings me a lot of joy (laughs) on days when things are rough. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Like, this is exactly why I do what I do. I needed to hear this. So with that in mind, today, I am going to talk to you guys a little bit about unmedicated birth. Now, if you've been following me for a while, or even if you haven't, I want you to know that there is not one right way to give birth. I truly believe that. Um, there are times when medication and an epidural is absolutely the right course of action, and that can be because of preference, or it can be because of other medical things that are going on. Um, so there's absolutely no judgment from me, or I hope from anybody that you're dealing with when it comes to whether you choose to go unmedicated or not. However, for those of you that are desiring to have an unmedicated birth, meaning you're not planning to choose to use any kind of medication, including like an epidural or um, even some kind of narcotic in the bum to kind of relieve things. Like your goal is I do not want to use medication for whatever the reason. Then today's episode is for you because there are some things that I think are really helpful to know when you're when you're preparing for that. I can tell you from personal experience because I've done that myself. I had two medicated births and one unmedicated birth. All three of them, I was trying to go unmedicated. So I feel like I've 
been around a little bit. Like I can tell you through some of my own experience exactly kind of where I went wrong. And I have really good tools for you to use um, in order to get to where you want to go. But also from a professional standpoint, being um, a doula and a childbirth educator, I've seen the difference between those that do certain things and those that don't or different decisions that are made throughout the pregnancy process in order to um, get you where you want to be for the birth. So that is what I am here to chat with you guys about today. Um, and I wanted to start with pregnancy. So I kind of split this episode up into two different groups. And that was like, we're going to talk about pregnancy. And then I want to move on to the birth because there are things that are really important to do during your pregnancy to get you to where you want to be for that birth outcome. Yes, different things can happen along the way, but these are the things that you can do if that's your goal. Now, some of these are going to seem really common sense. And I feel like I, I want to speak to those second, third, fourth time moms too, because as a first time mom, like it's great. You're, I feel like, you know, it's like a child and not, I don't mean you're a child, but like with children, like if they, you're told like their mind is a sponge, they soak it all up. Right. And it's a fresh sponge. So you get to like put whatever you want in there and they're soaking it up. And like, that's just what you're going to hear, what you're going to know, what you're going to believe, what you're going to lean on. And with those second, third, fourth, fifth pregnancies, maybe you've either had some situations that you haven't made good decisions or like in my case, like I, I didn't have great experiences um, and you're moving into wanting to have a good experience or that first birth was so easy um, or those previous births were, you know, not easy, but you prepared for them and you were ready for them and whatever. And so as you become pregnant again and again, and again, maybe you're like, oh, I got this, you know, oh, this it's going to be fine. And then we don't put in the time and attention that we need maybe for those second, third, fourth, fifth pregnancy. And as I'm saying that, you know, if you are like, you've done all the things, you've had a couple babies, you know where you're at, then that's great. You can trust yourself and, and all of that. But I just want to make sure that I am kind of like putting it out there. If that sounds like you, if you're kind of like, I'll do this later, if you find yourself having thoughts of like, I don't need this right now or or something like that where you just feel like putting it off. I'm going to bring you back in and say, stay with me, do the work, and I promise it's going to pan out. Okay, so let's dive into pregnancy. Um, number one, and this is where I said it's going to seem really common sense. The goal is to stay healthy and low risk because when you are healthy and low risk, you get to decide what you want to do with your body. Um, if I am high risk, then I have to be at kind of the mercy of what my different high risk providers are telling me is best for me and my baby because of some of those situations where medically things might be less safe or um, we need to take a different turn than I wanted to take originally. So healthy and low risk. And what does that mean? Early on and just or as soon as you are listening to this podcast, you are going to eat a high protein, 80 grams plus a day, um, high protein, well-balanced diet. That means you should be having grains, you should be having fruits and vegetables. Um, you're just as long as you're hitting that high protein and you've got kind of an array of the rest of the things that we should be eating that's going to be your goal. Um, and as you do that, you know, throughout your pregnancy, that's going to hopefully keep you healthy and low risk. So um, not to have you counting calories or anything, but listen to your body too. So even if we're taking on a lot of good things, sometimes even that can be, it can kind of weigh us down even with what, our, what we're eating. Um, like I said, grains, for example, but if you're eating like a bunch of grains all day and you haven't had some of those fruits and vegetables or added in that protein, that's the kind of thing I want you to think about. Um, I'm going to say be active. And I don't just mean physically, but I do mean physically. I also mean with your preparation. Um, so you know that we've got the three free exercises. I'll make sure to link that in the downloads. But there's three exercises that you should be doing every day to prepare your body for pregnancy and birth. And um, part of doing them, yes, it's the physical things that are actually happening to your body when you do them. You are strengthening, you are lengthening, you're supporting. All of those things are really important. And it's also the practice of making a habit out of it so that you are focusing on the positive things that you are planning for your birth to come. So if every morning when you get out of bed, you hit the ground and you're doing your pelvic tilts and then you get right into your squat, 
um, or even before you get out of the bed, if you start that forward leaning inversion, like you just make that a habit when I get out of bed immediately, maybe after you go to the bathroom, because we all got to pee. Um, maybe after you go to the bathroom, you come back and you do all those things. And every night before you go to bed, you do those same things again. Well, you're going to be, because you're creating a habit, you're going to be more likely to do it. Um, It's going to have all those positive effects. And then over time, hopefully you're like, well, I'm already doing this. I may as well add some more of whatever that looks like, whether that's taking a 20-minute walk or doing some yoga for the day, um, CrossFit. Honestly, whatever you have been doing, you can keep doing. Stay active. The other part of that is being active with your birth preparation. Um, You should be actively involved, whether you are listening to podcasts or reading books or having people tell you good birth stories and you need to be doing the work. So it's like great to have the information. That's awesome. You can think about it all day long and it's not necessarily going to change a thing unless you actually do the work. So three exercises, you know what they are, forward leaning inversion, pelvic tilts and a squat. And you can know that you can know the benefits. And if you don't do anything with it, you're not going to have any of the benefits. So it's the same with your birth preparation. Everything I'm telling you here, go and do um, and start small. Don't get you know too far into your head and talk yourself out of it. Um, start small. Don't make huge changes all at once. Um, but over time, it, you will get better at it. So if you've been following me on, on Instagram, for example, I have been running now for the last like it's seven, eight weeks, something like that. And those first couple runs hurt (laughs) and they were like a mile, mile and a half. In fact, my first ones were like I was going a half mile and then I did a mile, mile and a half, two, right? And now this will be coming up to seven miles pretty quick here. And it happens over time. Like if I would have jumped in and said, I've got to hit seven miles this first week by the end of the week, you know, not only am I going to be in pain, but I'm not going to want to continue to do the work. So know that you have time prepare for that, but put in the work little bits at a time so that you're building good habits every day that are going to get you there. I'm going to say simple things like watching your posture. Um, this might seem like one of those like, you know, how, how important is that? But if you are somebody that sits at a desk all day and you're sitting in a chair, for example, I guarantee your pelvis, your back, all of those areas for your pregnancy are probably in the Uh, less than optimal position for getting your baby in a good position, for feeling well during pregnancy, for having um, different parts of your body used to um, being in good positions that are going to benefit you during birth. So keep in mind little things like that, watching your posture, making sure that your belly isn't leaned too far forward, that you're not, when you're sitting on the couch watching Netflix or whatever, that you're not leaned too far back. If you're sitting at a desk all day, try to get an exercise or yoga ball, um, something that's going to force you into like, oh, I've got to keep my core, you know, a little more steady, um, keep my back a little more straight because it's really easy just as we're not thinking, sitting, scrolling at night, leaned back, you know, all those little things, those little tiny adjustments that can make a big deal for us later on, especially in the way of your baby's position. Um, Mindset. Mindset is a big one. Um, I'd say it's a big one for newbies. It may even be bigger for moms who have had a baby before. Um, You want to make sure that your head is in the right space, whether or not that was a good experience the last time. Knowing what you're up against again or um, even being excited for it can make a big difference. So positive affirmations, making sure that um, if you have any fears, and I'll make sure to put the find it and flip it exercise within the show notes for this uh, podcast. But positive affirmations are huge. If you have any fears, if you have any worries, If anything is upsetting to you, if there's any negative thoughts coming in, you want to immediately grab those, pull them out and turn them into two positives. You know, if you're like, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm really afraid to push my baby out. You know, like a really common one for moms is like, I'm really afraid to poop. And I don't know why. I mean, I guess I know why. Maybe I just didn't have this problem. Like that was not my biggest fear. Like I had other fears like, can I do this? Can I push a baby out at all? But some moms are like, oh my gosh, like I swear if I have to poop in front of my husband, like we're going to have words. This is not going to be good. Um, And so if that is something that you are concerned about, then you have to write some positive affirmations in the opposite, the positive opposite way that are going to make you feel comfortable in that situation. Trust your body in that situation. Be able to relax in that situation those kinds of things. Along with that is making sure that you are listening to 
positive birth stories. Um, I talk about this a lot. Um, you know that we have them on the podcast. So just scroll through and anything that says birth story, go click it. Those are going to be positive birth stories. Um, making sure that when you talk to other people, though, it's going to be the same thing. Like we get together with other women. And if we talk birth story at all, you know, everybody's really excited to tell theirs. And a lot of times it's not exactly what you need to hear or what you want to hear. And so making sure that you are comfortable saying, Either don't bring up any kind of how was your birth. Uh, you can't handle, you know, it's stopping somebody from saying something negative. Otherwise, be prepared to say, I would love to hear more about your birth. I am really trying to stay in a positive mindset. So if you could tell me positively great things about your birth, I would love to hear them. Or if somebody starts saying negative things, just, you know, oh, I, I'm sorry, I'm really trying to, to keep that positive mindset. Could you tell me some positive things about that birth, even though it sounds like you had a rough go? So things like that, that can be really helpful. If you're obsessed with birth and you've ever thought about becoming a doula, you need to be at this free live training exclusively for my essential birth listeners with my friend and fellow birth worker, Kylie. Becoming a doula completely changed my life, and we need more women who are passionate about this work. You do not need to have given birth before, be on call 24-7, 365, or even wait until your kids have grown. Bring your passion and curiosity to this free training at myessentialbirth.com forward slash doula to get signed up, and I'll see you in the training. I'm going to say two, lots of labor practice. So my husband and I did tons and tons of labor rehearsals. Uh, We did it actually for our first and our second. We did a lot of them for our third. And as goofy as they are, uh, I promise that they are going to be worth your time. And for me, especially as the mom, I really liked to, even when my husband wasn't next to me and we weren't practicing those labor uh, positions or whatever together, I remember I would lay in bed and just breathe deep and think of my baby and imagine a contraction happening and how I was going to handle it, how I was going to breathe, what I was going to say to myself, kind of like work myself up in a really positive way, Uh, thinking of lots and lots of labor practice. And that can include, it's not just like laying down and stuff, right? Because a lot of labor is done standing up. So practicing when you are in the kitchen and cooking and you have a second to yourself, don't just grab your phone and be scrolling. Sure, grab your phone and be scrolling and lean over the counter and breathe deep into your belly and just focus a couple of breaths like that, just like you would do during birth. That could be a really great way to just get some of that practice in. I also want to tell you guys that involving your birth partner is going to be huge for you. If you go into your birth space and you haven't either taken a good class together, um, you haven't informed your birth partner of what's really important to you or what's on your birth plan or what options are really important to you, or if somebody says this to to you that you need to be protected in this way, if you haven't had that communication and involvement of your birth partner, then birth is going to be a little harder. And if you don't have that good relationship and maybe you're trying, that's great. If you know that it's not going to be where it needs to be by the time that you are giving birth, I'm going to highly recommend that you get a doula or somebody else in your birth space that, and this is where it can be a little tricky. Like if you don't have the very best relationship with this birth partner, you don't feel like you're going to get the support you need when it's go time. Involving someone like a mom or a sibling or even a close friend could actually make that relationship worse. So keep that in mind, like how your birth partner and these other people are going to get along. You know, if it's somebody that is paid, not emotionally involved, they don't know them, except they come and they're happy to see both of you. And they're on both of your team, you know, like a doula, uh, that might be somebody that you want to involve rather than so, you, I mean, just be smart about it, you know, um, think about those things, figure out the communication. Obviously, ideally, you want to have really great communication with your birth partner, really have them on board, have them watching the birth course videos with you, that kind of stuff. Um, and yes, join the My Essential Birth Course. Can I just say that <laughs> if you have not done that already, it should be on your list. Um, that is where you guys can work together. And it's got the labor rehearsals and the meditations and the rela- relaxation practice and the knowledge that dads really like, like, oh, I didn't know that all of that was happening inside of your body. And that's why you need this and that I can provide that. That is where the magic happens. But you should be doing those things together and really involving him. Uh, Also, knowing how birth works, that kind of goes on for understanding the process of what's happening inside. Like if you know that every time you have a contraction, 
that your uterus is literally there are muscles that are going um, up and down vertically that are pulling and lifting and squeezing that uterus together. And at the same time, your baby's feet are kicking and pushing against the top of your belly. And together you are working to get that baby down by your hip movements and swaying and and all of that. If you and and it's pulling your cervix back and opening things up. If you understand that, if you can kind of visualize that as you are going through the process or even on your way up to it, no, understanding the process of how birth works or even your contractions, like at the beginning, you know, they're going to be farther apart. We talk about that all the time, right? But they're going to feel like this and um, they get a longer, stronger, closer together as time goes on. And you might start feeling them kind of crampy in your back. And then when it wraps around to the front, that's how you know, you know, this is really labor. And, you know, what time should we call people and just understanding all of those things put your mind at ease. It, it actually makes it really exciting. I know that's what it did for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to look for all these things. And like, I'm going to try and figure out where I am in the labor process. And once labor begins, like that's my time to shine. You know, like this is what I've prepared for for the last nine months. This is so exciting and so fun. That's what it should feel like when you go in. And even if you are not somebody to get excited about labor, but you can at least know like, okay, I'm ready. Maybe it's not excitement, but it's I'm ready. You are going to be feeling just in a much better place when it's birth time rather than you you didn't plan, you didn't prepare, you're hoping it goes well. I can relate to this. This is what I did for my first baby. I read, I read some birth stories, right? I like worked it up in my head. I'm like, I'm going to go on Medicaid and this is going to be awesome. And then everything just fell apart. And I didn't know how to work with my body. I didn't know what was happening inside of my body. I didn't know what my options were. And all of that kind of led to that cascade of intervention and a cesarean birth with my first. So this is just my, like my, my good advice to you as a mother and as a professional to go and put in the work, know your options and and do, do what feels right to you because you have those options available. Um, other things that you might not be thinking about because I'm talking about pregnancy and I'll talk about birth options in a minute, but avoiding an induction and, and especially based off of just because you're coming up to your due date, like that's a conversation that needs to happen with your birth provider now. Um, you know, when we get to, and when I get closer to my guest date, you know, do I need to schedule an induction or like, what does that look like for you? (laughs) You know, asking your provider those questions. And, um, the truth is you can have a really quote unquote supportive provider the whole way through. And then you hit 39 weeks and at that appointment, they're like, you know, okay, let's make sure we set up your induction. And you can just kind of be taken aback. Like, wait, what? I thought we were on the same page. I told you I didn't want any medication and I wanted to let things go naturally. And why are we talking induction? And what are my options? You don't have to be worrying about that or thinking about it during that um, that 39 week appointment. You know, that's all information that you should have prior. Same thing with like your glucose test, gestational diabetes. You know, um, what if you fail your first one? What if you fail your second one? Um, do you have to get induced? Is my baby really going to be too big to go through the birth canal? All those things um, can just have you feeling kind of like out of sorts and like you're not in control of your birth space. And then making sure that you're having a conversation about your birth plan prior to pregnancy or prior to birth, right? Talking to your provider about all of those different options. Do I have to have an IV? Can I wear my own clothes? Am I allowed to eat and drink? How about the monitoring? Can I push in this position? You want to have all of those questions kind of like worked out prior to going into labor or coming up to the end of your pregnancy. Um, I didn't, I mean, I just kind of like added this to the list, but remember this is one of the most important things that you can do. And that is to pick a supportive provider from the beginning. Um, It's kind of one of those tricky things. If you don't know exactly what you want and what you're looking for, you're not going to know if that provider is going to work for you or not. So I always say, take the birth course early, get educated, figure out what you want for your desired outcome and what that will look like for you. You know, hospital, birth center. um, Do you want delayed cord clamping and skin to skin? Do you want to be allowed to labor a certain amount of time? Like do you like any restrictions, freedom of movement, all that kind of stuff. And if you know all of those options ahead of time, then you can have that conversation with your provider. But if all you've got in your head is I want to go unmedicated like I did with my first and I didn't know to ask those other questions, well, then you may end up in a situation where you're like, oh, shoot, this isn't the provider I wanted based on how this experience is going. And then it's a little late. Um, making sure that you're surrounding yourself with supportive people. So I talked to you about positive birth stories and all of that. That's wonderful. The people that you are telling, I want to go unmedicated, 
if those people, like, especially like mom, siblings, um, friends, like if those people near you are not totally supportive, create a good support team. Go find other women that are doing those things and make them your support team. Um, because you can only, the mind can only take so much of, you know, you're like, I'm gung ho, I'm going to do this thing. This is exactly how I want to have it. But then every, every person, everything you're bouncing that off of, it's bouncing back. You shouldn't be doing that. You can only take so much of that before you start second guessing yourself. So make sure that you're surrounding yourself with supportive people. And then know what you need. Um, and like in the way of, of support, even, you know, are you somebody that needs and you can kind of go off of like five love languages. And um, I'll put a link to the book in, in the show notes and a link to the test. It's free online. But, you know, it, what's your love language? How do you need to be treated during this situation? Um, maybe knowing your Enneagram or like the big five, something like that, that's going to tell you a little about yourself and tell somebody else about you in a way that that they can support you. One of the things that I do as a doula when I meet with clients, when I when I meet with moms in their homes, is I ask them things like, tell me about pain. How do you normally deal with pain? Like if you stub your toe or if you have a headache, what does that look like for you? If it's, well, I immediately, you know, run for the ibuprofen or the Excedrin or, you know, whatever, um, then I know that medication is something that they use for that. Not that that's a bad thing at all, but that's important for me to know. Um, if they're like, oh, I, you know, I need to be in a dark room with um, all the lights off and no sound like, okay, I know that like sensory things are going to be important for when you're going through those intense things. If it's like, I just need somebody to tell me everything's going to be okay. Great. Verbal encouragement. That's going to be really important for you. Or I massage it out or I need somebody to kind of like be with me and just like next to me. Okay, great. You're going to need some hands-on support and somebody holding space for you. Those are really good questions. Um, to ask, to ask yourself kind of like, you know, how do I deal with pain? What am I going to need in this space? And then making sure that you set up the support for that. If you know you need those things and your birth partner is going to just be killer at it, then you're like, great. You know, what more do I need? You tell them I need this. They say, okay. And you work together and that's great. If not, again, make sure that you've got some of that support set up for you in advance. I'm probably skipping things as far as pregnancy, And I want to move on to birth because I don't want this podcast to be too long. I want it to be actionable, something that you remember, something you can take with you and get started on um, right away. So as far as it goes for birth, now I'm going to move into that stage. Again, I'm going to kind of pull in that doula. So doulas are great support during pregnancy. They're going to help you um, feel confident about your decisions, help you figure out which questions you need to ask your provider based off the information that you've given them about what kind of birth you've had and things like that. Um, So having good support is going to be important in pregnancy equally as important in birth. Again, if you don't have those people, that situation set up, whether you're a hospital, birth center, home birth, make sure that you have that stuff set up and ready to go. The other thing is your birth plan. That's something that you're going to want to take with you. Whether or not you've had that conversation with your provider, and it's very important that that happens prior to you coming to your birthplace, um, whether or not that's happened, you want to make sure that the other people that are helping you, particularly with a hospital birth, know exactly what is on your birth plan. Um, and it can include things on like how to support you, but it is, it's, you want it to move through like the birth process. So like early labor, later labor, you know, pushing stages. That's what I want after, after birth, postpartum, this is what I want. Um, I'm going to tell you, you should take a tour again, whether that's a birth center or hospital, uh, getting to know the birth space, just the, like, how do I feel here? What would make it feel better? Um, And those are things that you can do, too, to uh, make the space a little homier, a little more like you, whether that's you bring your own pillow and make sure that it's not it doesn't have a white cover on it. You want it to be, you know, distinguishable and different. Same with all your blankets and stuff. But you bring a blanket, you bring a pillow, maybe you bring some pictures of you and your birth partner or you bring essential oils or your husband's shirt with cologne that's sprayed on it or whatever it is that's going to make you feel more comfortable in that space make sure that you bring that with you and taking a tour is going to help you know how you can feel more comfortable, more safe in that space. It'll tell you what's missing. Uh, It also is just, it's a little more peace of mind. Like it doesn't seem like this big foreign crazy thing that's out there because you meet at your, your provider's office and often you don't see the hospital at all until it's birth time. And so it just makes it more like, okay, I know that when I'm in labor, 
you know, if it if we're not having to go through the emergency room because it's after hours, I'm going to come through these doors. I'm going to go to the third level. I turn right, you know, just knowing where you're going because you're so out of it or like in your labor land when it's go time and making sure that your birth partner knows too. That can be really, really comforting, relaxing information um, just for that transfer of moving from home to the birth space. Again, it's really important to know your options. So I talked about a lot of pregnancy options, things that matter when you're coming up to labor, things that matter during the pregnancy, but knowing things like what happens if my water breaks and I don't have contractions? What happens if it breaks and I do have contractions? What happens if it breaks and it's not clear and odorless? You know, can I stay at home? Do I need to go to the hospital? Should I be doing kick counts? All of that information is going to be good for you to know ahead of time. Uh, Same with prodromal labor, you know, and that would be a, a question for your provider during pregnancy. But if you have prodromal labor, what happens for birth? You know, am I good to stay at home and have this for weeks? Is there something I can do to make it so I'm not having it for weeks? Um, just information in general is going to be really important. And then understanding like even the mental aspect of that, you know, with prodromal labor, oh, it's such a mental game. So hopefully that is not the case for you. But if it is, know that it's not uncommon and that you can work through it. Like it's going to be okay. Even so I had prodromal labor with my last two. And even that last one, it was like a week of prodromal labor. I I know for a fact, and I can look back at it now, like there were so many things happening that I'm like, it was good practice for me. I was getting in my mental space. There were also things happening like around our home area. There were people coming in. There was a lot going on that I'm like, okay, it made sense as to why my body was doing what it was doing. And I really was able to um, have the energy and the strength that I needed to be able to work through it when my body was like, okay, we're done with the prodromal stuff. We're moving into the active labor. So keep that in mind. I think another one is going past your due date. Um, (laughs) I feel like prodromal labor and passing your due date are just two like mental blocks that are just no fun. Um, Because I've shared this before, even with my third baby, once I passed that due date. So in other words, like I was very educated. I knew, you know, it's just a guest date. I knew the 41 and one seventh week rule. Like I was totally aware. But the second I guess I passed that guest date and I was like, get out. (laughs) I told you, like, we all know your due date, get out. Um, And he waited a week later. uh, And he was actually born on Mother's Day. And it was very special. And and everything was like, perfect, right? Exactly what it was supposed to be. But that mental game is just so fun. And then you want to know too, like, if I'm passing my due date, am I going to have to deal with induction again? So um, if you are going unmedicated, it's highly recommended to stay at home longer because when you're in your comfortable space at home, your body reacts really well to that. And uh, a lot of times the action of just moving from one space to another can kind of throw things off in the labor process. It can make things take longer. It produces adrenaline, which slows down contractions or spreads them out. Uh, The ride can be uncomfortable to the hospital. Things can slow down again when you've got people in your face, bright lights, all that stuff, all that change. It can be a lot. So we always say, um, you know, if if the goal is to go as long as possible without receiving medication uh, or to go unmedicated, we say use the 311 rule, which is contractions should be three minutes apart, lasting for an entire minute for at least an hour. Now, that rule alone is not good. It's just information. But how are you responding to? So you want to take into account too, like how is mom responding to contractions? Um, are you how, are you still able to walk and talk through them? Are you having to breathe? Um, are you like sweating during them? Are you doing the hard work of labor? Are you, um, are, have they moved together really, really close, really fast? And is it time to go earlier? There's a lot of different things that can come up. And so um, it's, it's good to, ha- you need to have a full picture of what's going on, but just knowing that staying at home longer is going to allow you to be more comfortable, which allows your body to do the work of labor a little bit easier. You just kind of get into that flow uh, a lot easier. So stay at home 
longer before you head to your birthplace. Uh, Another thing that's going to be really important is to know and utilize the tools that they have at your birthplace. So, and then to bring the ones that they don't. So do they have a birth ball, um, which can be used for leaning over, even in a bed, you can sit on it next to the bed and lean onto the bed. Um, You can bounce and do circle eights on it. I mean, like literally that birth ball is something that should be on your list. So do they have a birth ball? Do I need to bring one? Washcloths, same thing. Like know where they are. When you take the hospital tour, like know where they are or have your birth partner go and like open all the cabinets and drawers and things like, you know, you're not going to hurt anything. You're just looking like I do that as a doula. I want to know like, where's the extra pillows? Where's the extra blankets? Where's the washcloths? Where's the ice packs? Where are the heat packs? You know, where's everything that I'm going to need. So I need, so I know, do I need to ask for these things now on our way in um, or not? And that's something to consider too. If they're like, oh yeah, we have birth balls and peanut balls and this and that. And it's like, okay, how many do you have? (laughs) You know, if there's three women in labor, am I not going to have an option to any of this stuff? Or it doesn't matter if there's six women in labor, every room has one. That's going to matter too. So keep that in mind. Um, Same with pillows. I think I brought that up. Pillows and blankets. Um, ask for warm blankets, just ask for blankets and pillows on your way in just so that you have it when you need it. Because there's a lot of like mom's laying on her side, but she's not comfortable. It's like, okay, let's stick one under her back and her hip and like three between her legs and, you know, whatever that looks like, just ask for that stuff on the way in. Same with like wireless monitors. Like if you know, I want intermittent monitoring. Well, that's great. Could you have intermittent monitoring while you have wireless monitor us on so you don't have to lay in the bed so that you can be in the bath or the shower or walking the halls. Um, All of that stuff is going to be really important. Meditations, this is something that you can bring with you, right? Um, We've got downloadable ones within the birth course, but I know there are plenty of places to get meditations for birth. So if that is something that sounds good to you, make sure that you bring it with you. Same with like any music or whatnot that you want, whatever's going to help you get in the zone and kind of like drown out the other noise that's going around. That's one thing if you are in hospital birth, um, that can be a big distraction. Like for me is the other noise going on. So whether you bring AirPods um, or earbuds or you have some kind of um, earplugs, like you guys have seen me. If you have seen me on Instagram, I will like take pictures of me working and I have like earplugs in because I homeschool my three kids and they're here all day. And I'm like, if I'm going to get anything done, (laughs) I have to have something in. Um, Sometimes I'll listen to music or whatever else. But oftentimes I'm like, just silence. That's all I want as a mother, silence. So, but even though, you know, even with the earplugs, it's not going to completely drown everything out, but it's like, okay. And then your birth partner will need to be close to you, which can be a really positive thing. And, um, and in your ear to be able to hear you, I just feel like, like anyways, earplugs should definitely be something that are in your birth bag. Um, but it can be something that, that helps just sensory wise, because you can't help your like, when you are going through birth, you are in tune kind of with everything at the same time, and it can be a little overstimulating. So mentally, you're not necessarily there, but you hear and feel everything. And if there is less of that to focus on, and you can kind of like be quiet, hone in, listen to your own breath, um, or whatever music or whatever you have playing, it can really help you to stay into that, that calm kind of labor land that we talk about. So I would recommend that making sure that you have hands on support for birth. So this is where it's like really important that your birth partner knows or you have a doula or somebody else in there that knows how to touch you. Do you want massage and making sure they're doing it the right way? You guys have heard me mention this before, but you can have somebody massaging you physically touching your body and it's actually what you want, but they're not doing it in a way that feels good or they're not doing it at the right time. And so you're like, get off of me. I can't do this anymore. Like you have to stop touching me. Even though what you really mean is, oh my gosh, if they would just do that a little lower and a little harder, you know, or stop moving their hand around so much, like it would feel so good. But you can't say it. It's not going to come out. And if you tried, you know, it just um, is going to pull you out of, of your focus on that contraction. So making sure that they know how to support and that should be practiced prior to birth time. And then along with that are things like hip squeeze, rebozo work, that kind of stuff. So like hands on. Um, you know, pushing hands together against those hips, like that counter pressure, same thing with like on your knees, or, you know, relaxing, helping you relax your shoulders or like touching your eyebrows or your your head or your jaw or like different parts of your body to help you relax. Those are things that should be practiced prior that you can be really, really helpful to utilize for um, 
like intensity or pain coping techniques during labor. Because yes, you will hit a point where contractions are really strong, really intense. You're not getting a break. You're not sure if you can complete the task. That is really, really common. And so these are all those things that they just take the edge off a little bit. They just give your mind a little bit of something to focus on. Um, All those things are really, really important. Along with that is like verbal encouragement. Are you somebody that needs it or it would be really helpful to have people saying certain things like you're doing so great or you're almost there keep it up or is that going to drive you nuts <laughs> you're just going to want to punch somebody you know um, but you should practice those things prior that way you have that way the people helping you have different tools like I thought I was going to love massage during pregnant or um, during birth with my third And that's how my husband got me to do my squats for like an hour every day. I like every time I would do a squat, I'd keep it. I keep track of it on my phone. I'd put my timer on. And at the end of the day, if I did an hour of squatting intermittent throughout the day, my husband gave me an hour massage and you better believe I got massaged like every night. And so I thought I just love massage. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's all I'm going to want him to do during labor. And then I didn't want him to touch me. And it wasn't because he was touching me wrong. It just didn't feel good. Now, once they started the hip squeeze and counter pressure, I was like, you can't leave. Like, I know I'm in the water. Keep doing that. Don't stop. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but anyways, my point is you don't know what you're going to need. So you've got to practice and prepare to use a couple of different tools. Along with that is using water for comfort. This is something that can really take the edge off during birth. Uh, Maybe you've heard it before, but it's said that water is mother nature's epidural. And it could not be more correct, in my opinion. When you get into water, 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 (laughs) when you get into water, whether that is in the shower or completely submerged, um, it's just going to depend on what feels good for you. Uh, It feels so, so good. So I know women will just sit and stand or sit and shower for a nice long time. And we're rubbing water, just pouring water on her. or We've got the shower head just up and down the back, up and down the back or like, okay, now I want really, really hot heat down low. There's different ways that you can utilize water. Um, I, I do want to make a point too, like for your birth space, if you want to be in water, either for birth or for labor, take a look at the birth tubs. Sometimes they're just bathtubs in the bathroom and they're not, they're shallow. They're not going to get what you, it's going to feel kind of good, but like not really um, what you're looking for. That's something to consider if they do have birth tubs, you know, ask like, like when I come in, when do I have to ask for it? Do I have to ask for it? Will you immediately take me to it? Can we fill it up right away? If my water's broken, am I allowed to get in? Like all of that kind of stuff is going to make a difference uh, and be good for you to know before you are in labor. Now, movement is another one. You should definitely have freedom of movement and you should be using that movement. It's easy sometimes for us to get stuck in one position, especially like, okay, I've been monitoring for 20 minutes in the bed and maybe you had been walking around before that. And so you were really excited to get into the bed and then you kind of get stuck in that position and you're like, okay, like now the thought of having to stand up and move doesn't sound as good. But the truth is, if you stay in that position, it's actually going to be more intense um, and not progress as quickly as if you were to get up and walk around and move. So knowing that is important and then having somebody that can encourage you to do those things is really important. Um Things like walking, swaying your hips, you know, leaning over your birth partner, leaning over the bed, breathing into your belly, all that stuff. And then making sure you empty your bladder. This is something that maybe you haven't heard or don't think about. You should empty your bladder every like 30 to 40 minutes if you can, which means you should be drinking a decent amount of water as well. But a full bladder can actually make more painful contractions and pause your dilation or slow you from dilating. So that is something to keep in mind. Make sure that you are emptying your bladder. We say 30 to 45 minutes. This is definitely a task for your birth partner. They're going to keep track of time because you don't want to have to look at a clock and make sure that that's happening. Along with that, you're going to need to be able to eat and drink. Uh, If you are going unmedicated, they say that birth, the physical exertion that you do is like running a marathon. And maybe some of you guys watched me a couple years back, like I ran a half marathon and then I ran a full marathon and 100% I could relate that right back to birth. Like my body hurt. There were definitely times where I'm like, I can't go anymore. I'm so tired. I just want to sleep. I also ran into some hiccups where I was going down a hill and I messed up, um, I'm not even going to remember the name of it, the IT band, my my left leg. 
And I was limping along like for a couple miles before I could like jog again at the end. And I entered that for a nice long year, but I was like, I'm finishing this task. Um, I, it was really equivalent to birth, just the things, the different ways that it happens. And then at the end, you're like, holy cow. Like I remember coming in, we ran in St. George and I think we started in Snow Canyon and ended up somewhere else. But I remember looking back, you know, 22 miles, like we had another mile and whatever to go looking back like 22 miles and like just getting emotional, like, oh my gosh, like, look at how far we've come. Look at what I ran. Like that was crazy. And then same with birth, like you birth that baby and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, how did I just do everything? And, um, and you just look at everybody and you're like, I love you all so much. You know, like I could not have completed this without you. You are all a part of my family forever. It's so cool. Um, all right. And along with that is like being educated about the things that happen during labor. That can include things like fetal monitoring and late D cells. If you've heard me talk about that before, breaking your water. So that's something you want to do, don't want to do. What if your baby is a quote, like higher station and your your doctor or midwife is like, hey, if we just break that water, they're just going to come right down. You know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. And once the water's broken, what does that look like? Do you have eight hours? Do you have 10? Do you have, are you on a clock at all? Um, what if you're having vaginal exam? and you have no change in dilation. Uh, does any of that matter? Like, what is it going to do for your, what are your providers going to recommend? What is it going to do to your mental state? You know, those are all things to have information about and kind of think of for the birth time. Uh, lastly, so that's kind of all of my, that was pregnancy, that was birth. The last thing I want to talk about briefly is being adaptable. And I don't mean that you throw your birth plan and all of your hopes and dreams out the door. That's not what I mean about being adaptable. What I what I mean or what came to mind when I was thinking of different things that would be really helpful for you guys is, first of all, you should not be suffering just to be able to go unmedicated. So if you've made all these plans, you've done all the work, you know, taken the birth course, you've done the meditations, all the labor rehearsals, you've ate really healthy, you're low risk, your provider's great, your support's awesome. And for some reason, it's just, it's so painful or it's so hard or your mind's not in the right place or you are literally like there's suffering going on, but you've told yourself you're going unmedicated, so you're just going to keep going. That might not be a good plan. Um, that could lead to a traumatic birth. So be adaptable. You know, maybe the goal is unmedicated and maybe you hit a point of exhaustion that is very real. Maybe you've had pedromal labor for two weeks and you went into it really tired or whatever the case. You hit a point where you're like, this is, I like, I'm not well in this moment. Be adaptable. That's okay. That's what the medication is there for. That's what the support team is there for. Um, there is a place and time to change positions on things. So keep that in mind. And I don't always mean that when things get hard, be ready for medication. I just mean there are like, there's a reason we call it a birth map, right? There's several ways to get to the end destination and those paths will look different for everybody. And that's okay. Um, this is where I think having really good support that you can trust their suggestions because they're knowledgeable, because they know you, because they're aware of the situation and they can offer those suggestions. That's going to be really important as well. Um, if baby's having trouble and if you're having trouble, it's really important to know the backup options too. So that kind of like that education part that we talked about in that pregnancy section at the beginning, um, if for some reason your baby, you know, is not doing well and like the D cells are really bad or, you know, whatever, or something's happened with you or the placenta detached, you know, there's something going on. Um, make sure that you know the backup options. That way you're not having to scramble in that moment and think, am I making the right decision? Do I trust them? Do I, tr you know, like, ah, I don't know anything about this situation. Well, the more you know, the less you have to worry about those things in and the time. And so actually something that we do in the birth course, and this is probably one of my favorite things, we have like a birth card priority game. And um, we basically have you set up like your ideal birth, you know, and the cards each have one side or the other, like it would say IV on one side, no IV on the other, spontaneous birth on one side, induction on the other. And it goes through all the different, you know, decisions that could happen during, during birth. And so everybody 
I especially loved this when I was doing um, in-person classes and there were just tons of moms because it's like, okay, everybody like set up your ideal birth. It was really funny to make everybody do it together. Um, I thought it was funny. Um, And then it was really interesting to watch them do it on their own too, because it was like, okay, set up your ideal birth, you know? And for some people, I mean, their ideal birth is going to look different than the person next to them. That's just the reality of it. And we'd be like, okay, like now what if something happens? Like if, you know, I don't know exactly what is happening, but if something in your birth happened and you couldn't have everything on this list and you had to flip a couple of cards, what would that look like? And then they flip the cards. And um, anyways, it just gets your mind thinking and then it, it brings you through like this whole experience, but it just gets your mind thinking, you know, if everything doesn't go perfect and I did have to make some changes. What are the things that are going to be the most impactful to me? What is going to matter the most to me? What is going to make me feel loved and supported and safe in the end? And once you can kind of like mull through and think through that, um, it, then you can kind of focus on, okay, I can be adaptable to these other things. Like, I guess it doesn't really matter if my birth room has a birth tub, or maybe that is really high on your list, right? That's what I mean by different, different people, different situations, or, you know, maybe it it doesn't matter if it has whatever. And you can kind of work through that and be adaptable just to the changes that come through birth, because sometimes it goes perfectly and wonderfully and beautifully. And oftentimes, not everything is going to go as planned. And that's okay, too. All right. So, Here's kind of my, I want you to like take away from this. First of all, if you are looking to go unmedicated, if this is your goal, it is 100% achievable. So I want you to keep that in your sights, keep it in your mind. Yes, there are circumstances where something may happen and it that would not be the case, but just just know that it is 100% achievable. Um, the other thing is your body is totally made for this. You were made for this. You're, you literally were born with a uterus. This is the work that you were meant to do. So stick with it. Trust me. You are strong and you are capable. Um, and I want you to keep in mind too, like women from the beginning of time have been giving birth. Like this is how we all exist and this is how it has been done. So I want you to take kind of the strength from those women that have come before you and just know that, that somebody down your line totally gave birth unmedicated. And so did her mother and her mother and her mother. And that's how everybody has come into this world until now. And so you are totally capable of doing that. So, so can you, um, And then if you are looking for more one-on-one support, um, if you're looking for opportunities to involve your birth partner and really get into the nitty gritty of what birth looks like and how you can prepare, then I want you to join me in the birth course. Um, And I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's myessentialbirth.com. If you click on the get started or, you know, get started now button, it will walk you through everything that is listed in every single one of the classes so that you can ask questions um, and so that you know what to expect so that when you dive in, you're like, okay, I can do this. We just, we're going to work through step by step, beginning to end, and I'm going to be totally prepared um, for this experience. So if you are going unmedicated, I wish you all the very best and just know that you are totally capable. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.